Trustworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. It's the Upworthy Weekly Podcast, and my name is Todd Perry. I'm a staff writer here at Upworthy, and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from the podcast. Allison Rosen is your new best friend, but mostly you know her from this wonderful show, Upworthy Weekly. How are you doing, Allison? I'm good. How are you doing, Todd Perry? Well, I'm really good today uh, because for those of you who you know listen to the show, which is people listening, which was a weird thing I just said, we have videos, a whole bunch of videos up right now on YouTube uh, of us doing the show, like full episodes. So if you yeah. ever want to see what we look like while we're doing this, uh, just go to Upworthy.com's uh, YouTube page, and there's a whole bunch of videos of us doing the show. And, you know, it's just like, it's a full thing. So sometimes things in the audio version might get edited out. On the YouTube, you see the whole thing we record. So yeah. there might be a couple moments you're like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that completely tasteless joke being in the show. Um, right. It's like the direct. It's like the director's cut and also bloopers, but not. Yes. There's not. Are there bloopers? I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. But maybe uh, there could be someday. Yeah. Who knows? But hey, keep watching, and maybe you'll find right. one. And also, we it's come to our attention recently that people seem a little bit surprised. Some people who are familiar with our voices are surprised to see what we look like. So go take a look at us and let us know if it lines up with what you've been imagining. If you're a person who listens to this show, which is a person who's listening right now. You know, do you think that possibly it kind of kills the mystery of the show if you see, see us doing it? Because people have their conceptions and their visuals right. in their head of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this might, it's whatever it is, it's not going to perfectly align with what they have conceived in their brain. So right. isn't, doesn't it keep some of the mystery for people not mm. to watch us? The theater of the mind. That's that age old question of like if a musician and I am <clears throat> comparing us to, you know, the great musicians. If a musician talks about what the lyrics are about to them, does that ruin the song to the listener? I never think it does. I'm, always, you know, as a listener, I'm always curious, like, what is this song about? What, what did you what were you thinking about when you wrote it? So I feel like it's OK for them to see us in our um, palatial estate where we record this podcast mm -hmm. atop a hillside that's also snowy, but um, we're surrounded by birds, but, you know, parrots actually. But if they think it's going to ruin it for them, then by all means, don't take a look, you know, it's, it, it's each person for themselves. Yeah, it was like when I used to work at a radio station and I was one of the uh, guys who drove around in the van and passed out bumper stickers that said, uh, I won't say what the Tom Likas bump bumper sticker said, <laughs> but uh, when we did that, we would give out what's called jock cards and it was like photos of the people on air and people all, never knew what any of the people on air looked like and they were always yeah. disappointed. Oh, right. Like that. Oh, I think we're you, a pleasant surprise. Wait, what are they called? Jot cards? Jock like cards, J yeah. Like J-O-C-K? Yeah, like talk jocks, you know. Oh, jock cards. Got it. Yeah. I think we should be we should hand those out and they could be called like up cards. Mm. Or something okay. like that. No, up uh, cards uh, makes it sound like up shots. So not up cards. Um what could what could they be? Mm. Hmm. Worthy. We're gonna have to think of a good name. Up photos. I don't know. We'll have to think about we'll, we'll get some writers on that. Um, yes. <laughs> so before we before we get into the show, as I was saying, we have videos up on YouTube, and there's one video up we've we've had up for quite some time, and it's us talking about the couple that lived on a cruise ship. Yes. So this was one of Upworthy's most popular stories. So we did a we put up our YouTube video of us on the show talking about it, and to refresh people's memory. Uh, basically, we were talking about pros and cons of life if we lived our entire lives on a cruise ship. And I made the point that there were some cons, and that would be you get tired of eating the same food. Um, potential, you know, falling into alcoholism because it's just all you can drink all day, and that was a concern, which I thought legitimate. Uh, we also thought that there might 
be a gambling problem that would develop mm-hmm. if there's gambling on the ship, uh, infidelity, if people were on there with their significant others and they kept being drunk, sitting in a hot tub, meeting new people all the time <laughs> yeah. with accessible hotel rooms, that mm-hmm. that could happen as well. So I thought all of these were legitimate concerns. And also I brought up the fact that, you know, icebergs, when you're on the ship mm. all the time, the chance of hitting the iceberg and yeah. going Titanic. Right. Legitimate High. concern. High. Yeah. So, so uh, I happened to see that there was a comment, two comments on this video that somebody on YouTube had watched our conversation and was very angry at what we were saying oh, no. on the show. Oh, no. So, Kathy is her name, which I get an immediate picture of someone who goes on a lot of cruises named Kathy. Mm-hmm, sure. It's a, real, it's a real seafaring name. Yeah. And... She wrote a very angry uh, comment that said, I find it highly, and highly, all in capitals. Okay. Yeah. I find I it, it highly amusing to listen to two people who have no cruising experience <laughs> describing life on a cruise ship. <laughs> it's that obvious. That we, did we say we have none or she can just feel it? I don't, because maybe we were just wildly wrong. I, th- I think we both said that we have never been on a ship. <laughs> yeah. So then, now, now the smugness steps in where she's like, okay. "Here's a start." Oh boy! Oh boy! She's gonna school us. I love it. M dash. Uh, every cruise ship I've been on, five different cruise lines in parentheses, oh, oh has a main dining room with table service, featuring many choices of appetizers, entrees, sides, and desserts, as well as an extensive buffet with extended hours. Yeah, but you're, we're talking about, I'm sorry, are we talking back to Kathy here? You're talking about your, the rest of your life on the ship. Right. It's still the same stuff over and over. But anyway, carry on. Then there are the burger joints, the pizza counters, the delis, and all the specialty restaurants, from a French bistro to teppanyaki. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I wouldn't say that all the options are infinite, but, but you do not definitely... But you, but you would definitely not need to eat the same thing twice, is what she's saying. So she's very mad wow. at my assumption. Okay. Yeah. And, and then the next part. And if you or your loved one are inclined towards gambling, alcoholism, <laughs> overeating, or infidelity, you're going to be as susceptible to that on land as on the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your town doesn't have a casino, but plenty of people gamble online. We oh, she's right, though. We, yeah. I mean, it's pretty ironclad logic here. Um, yeah. And then she says, we are who we are. And there's a, the, the clincher. And icebergs, really? <laughs> a cruise ship recently collided <sighs> with a, quote, growler, a small iceberg about the size of a truck or a grand piano in Alaska, and had to cut their cruise short for repairs. But the ship didn't sink. No one died. Modern technology has done wonders for evading icebergs. And ships today have great stabilizers to reduce motion and for the potential of seasickness. Does she make cruise ships? Jeez, Kathy. <laughs> it's like, I had no idea that like Wait someone a who worked. Wait. She said to reduce seasickness. So that's, a, that's about me now. Because I talked about getting seasick. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. took one shot at you. Um, I've been on a couple of dozen cruises, and the concept of living on a ship with good 24? Wi-Fi... Yeah. Wow. And the concept of living on a ship with good Wi-Fi and a varied itinerary is very appealing. Though I'd have to return, quote, home at least a couple times a year for doctor visits, etc. So, Kathy really... Kathy really settled our hash here. Yes, she did. Whoa. Wow, Kathy. Now, did you take a look like into her YouTube history and stuff and see what else she comments on or what her other videos are? Oh, oh, I should. I should. Of course and, you should. You know, Come on, Todd. And everybody listening can go to YouTube and find the video and go down Let's and scroll down to Kathy. Let's not sick them on her. Be nice, everyone. Oh, yeah. No, you, you should. You should be completely nice and say, I listened up the most latest Upworthy Weekly. You might want to check it out. They address your thing, you know, Yeah. Your, your comments. And then there was one more, and it was very short, and it was okay. from someone named Joe Marr. 
I just wasted 13 minutes of my life <laughs> listening to the two of you who have never been, who have never cruised, explaining the pros and cons of life on a ship, not a boat. So I guess we called it a boat, and it's a ship. Well, okay, first of all, now I know the verb, cruising, which has yes. a lot of meanings. Mm-hmm. Second of all, can we go back for a moment? I love that a small iceberg is called a growler. Yeah. And, like, where does growler end, iceberg begin? Are there things in between growler and iceberg? There's a lot that we need to learn about icebergs. Yeah, because she said a growler was, like, the size between a grand piano and a truck. And that's that's a big range. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Talk about, like, a Ford F-350 and whatever Elton John's screwing around with at Dodger Stadium. There's right. There's a big difference between those two things. You know, I don't know how big the iceberg was that took down the boat, the Titanic. <laughs> that was my evil tee. Boy, we're gonna we're gonna invite the comments. And also, I would like to know what's the difference between the boat and a ship. A boat and a ship is that a matter of size? And also, one more thing, Kath. I'm not so sure there are these fantastics. I mean, I hear what she's saying about stabilizers for seasickness, but I think if you have a delicate composition, you can get seasick on whilst cruising. I just suspect you can. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my hunch. And then here's my thing. My thing is if the boat is overly stabilized, then what's the point of being on a boat? A decent point. You know, you you get off and you don't even have like sea legs. You yeah. know, I don't even know right. if that's still a thing. I've never heard somebody, oh, I just got off a princess cruise and I was yeah. rubbery for two days. You know, I don't know. <laughs> right. This is a good, this is a good point. My, uh, I have a neighbor who does something on cruise ships, ships. I just say, I didn't say cruise boats. They're right. Um, and during the pandemic has been like, hasn't worked at all. I don't know if he's going back to it or not. Uh, but I should ask him some of these questions. He would know yeah. the answer. I mean, Maybe look, he even we, knows Kathy. Yeah, we, I mean, we could be totally wrong, uh, and Kathy and your neighbor could prove that. That's fine. Yeah. But, but here's, what, here's what Kathy kind of missed in uh, her, her, her just take vicious takedown. Yeah. Yeah. She missed the point that we were joking. Right. People miss that yeah. often. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. the story the the story was a couple that decided to live their retirement on a cruise ship, right? They realized mm-hmm. that it was actually cheaper it was cheaper to live on a cruise ship than to pay a mortgage, right? Did you already say this? Am I repeating you? No, no, you're not. Uh okay. yes, that was kind of the crux of the story. And then yeah. I actually talked to the guy that does it. Yes. Um, I did I did a, a brief interview with him and um Why yeah. why though? He had like a follow up, right? He heard what you said and then even he took issue with what you said. <laughs> yeah, he had <laughs> in well, a gentler I'm, way. Todd Perry, bad on cruises. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> And now, the Wednesday Adams of Upworthy, Allison Rosen. Why in the world we even chose her for this show remains to be seen. Take it away, Princess of Darkness. <laughs> Children, what are you doing? I'm going to electrocute her. I just, I love that theme song so much. It's so fun until I do get get uh, removed forcibly from the show. And then we'll look back and we'll, we'll say, I should have seen it coming. I really should yeah. have. Um, so Kristen Bell, America's sweetheart and Todd Perry's favorite, explains why she wants her daughters to own the Nice Girl label. I, you know, I feel like, quote unquote, Nice Girl has fallen out of favor a little bit of late because there's so much emphasis on being successful, on being a leader, on like, let's say, let's, let's, um, you know, bossy is a, there, there's a lot of emphasis on like bossy is a term that we we celebrate the bossy uh 
qualities in boys, but we don't want that in, in, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of focus on that kind of stuff on, on being assertive and all that. And and then the niceness is seen as, as less um, desired. And Kristen Bell is saying, no, I want my, I want my daughters to be nice. Um, And so uh, she uh, shared that she wants her kids to own the nice girl label. And she explained why she considers it important. She said, I know there's a lot of parenting books that say, maybe don't tell them they're smart, congratulate the hard work, uh, because words are kind of important to kids. But a nice girl, a but a kind girl, a nice girl is a label that I want them to own and I want them to live the rest of their lives as. Uh, and she has two kids, Lincoln and Delta, with her husband, Dax Shepard. And when they argue, she said she tells them that being mean girls is not going to help them achieve anything um, in that instance and in the long run. When they're fighting, I look at them and I say, you're going to get nothing accomplished. And then she also said, and I relate to this, that she really likes uh, when they team up against her. Um, um. Yeah, I I when my kids team up against me, I I weirdly find that I'm like, oh look how cute, like how cute, like they're supporting each other. Uh, and then she went on, and also in the same uh, Upwardly Weekly story, and I'm wondering what your reaction to this is. Mm. She shared that um, she was open with her kids about the fact that she had um, really didn't have much experience with drugs, but she wanted to try mushrooms, so she mm. tried them for her 40th birthday. Uh, and yeah, and she was open with her kids about that. But then I think that they, the kids told the grandma and that she really didn't want them to do, (laughs) which I can also relate to that. Uh, Now, did she say how she explained to her kids that she had taken mushrooms? Just, just thinking like, what were the exact words? Like, let's say I I was going to. Talk to my son yeah, about taking I, mushrooms. What would I say? Just hypothetically, not that, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a consistent right. mushroom taker. Um, no, <clears throat> I don't believe that the exact words were in there. But I think it was just that she wanted to try them and she did it in a safe environment. I might be making this up. I don't believe the exact words were in there. Okay. okay. But she was open about it. D- d- yeah. Did she tell the specific strain? Like, she's talking to, like, no. the, the, the kids, like, she, I, had, yeah. <laughs> I had some bomb Cubensis, and, you know, oh, that's see, a really visual high, you know. Uh, I don't even know the names of all of them, no. I don't she know, didn't. I just... You just pulled that, you just made that up. Yes, yeah. yes, I read about just it. A, in, sh- a shiitake and an enoki and an elephant ear. It, yeah, th- th- are, none those of those. Are, they don't, they're just good in a salad. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not going to stir fry. You're not going to be like, oh, I need to hear Cornell 78 because Jerry really shreds on that after eating shiitake mushrooms. You know, it's interesting. My instinct would be to not be open with my children about that. And maybe that's wrong. Uh, my wife said, she goes, I think I know who's going to have the drug talk with the kids. Um <laughs> Is what she said to me one time. I said, and and she goes, the great thing is you'll know if he's high. I go, yes, I will. And yeah, um, and yeah I think, you know, I what I would plan to do, and again, it, I think it depends on, you know, how, what your individual child is like, you know, mm-hmm. at 15 or whatever, 14, 15, when you sit down and you go, here, look, here's... Here's sketchy drugs. Don't do these. Right. Right. Here's, I don't know. Um, it's interesting too, because her husband is in recovery and is very open about all of that. I mean, maybe, maybe that makes the family relationship with substances different because Dax is open about, you know, about being sober. I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting you, choice. Yeah. You know, I have a family member in recovery and they are very open with their kids about everything. With their, mm-hmm. you know, here's what I did. Here's where, you know, how it messed my life up. Here's how I would have done things differently. And um, so I think there is room for all that when when dealing right. with children. You know, and kids are smart, and they're going to do what they're going to do. So right, totally. You know, wow. So that that got heavy. Uh, we we went right into the the drug talk, but I was going to yeah. say about going back to the beginning of the story when I was talking about being nice and yes, and I think again 
I'm raising a boy, and with a boy, like you want to treat tell them to be nice because you know little boys can be you know little boys and rough and tumble, and uh, you know I think necessarily being overly nice is maybe not a natural masculine trait mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. ways, but. I try to really encourage, and my wife and I do, our, our son. But with the daughter, right, I think the whole time it would be like, be strong, be tough, be yeah. a scientist, you know, because there, I've never seen a little boy that's a scientist anymore on a t-shirt or in TV shows. <laughs> it's, always, it's, always, it's always a woman. Yeah. Right? It's like right. at a certain point, judges became women on television. Like you couldn't mm-hmm. have a male judge on a TV show. <laughs> right. Now it's, it's yeah. all scientists are women. Like... Right. There's a show, Ada Twist, Scientist. It's all, yeah, little girls, because of STEM, right? Women in STEM. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, it, it's a good thing, but it's just kind of funny when you see a, a trend. You know, I, my, uh, you know, tell my son, you know, when you go into college, go into, go into the sciences, cause that's where all the women are. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. My, <clears throat> my uh, boys, but especially Elliot, w- was always like, no, both of them. <clears throat> Always the nicest and the sweetest. And I feel like Elliot has just recently, and I've joked about this, like turned to the dark side oh. and sort of now is becoming more of like classic little boy. Uh-huh. Um, like he took the Harry Potter sorting, like which house are you in? I do not know anything about Harry Potter, but his cousin. Do you know about Harry Potter? Harry Potter's cousin? <laughs> Do you know about Harry Potter's cousin? No. Do you know about Harry Potter and like the different houses? I know nothing about any of it. Or even the plot. Okay. So I don't know anything about it either. Uh-oh. Kathy Kathy just oh, no. sat up. <laughs> She's <What>? like, <laughs> Kathy is firing off a mean comment right now. She's like, I, why am I, and Joe, why am I listening to 13 minutes of Potter talk from two dolts who don't know, they don't know cruising, they don't know Harry Potter. Here we go. So there's like, you can be Hufflepuff or Slytherin or Ravensclaw or... Mm. Diff, Diff and Smiffer. <laughs> and Dunder Mifflin? I think, and, or Dunder Mifflin. And I think okay. Hufflepuff is super nice. One of them means um, companies coming. One of them means you want to mm. change jobs soon and you'd like to have a tidy house. And one of them, I'm making that up. And then yeah. one of them is like, a, you're a bad guy. Broad strokes. The two in the yeah. middle, that was a horoscope joke. <clears throat> but, but I think Hufflepuff is like, those are like the sweet good guys. Uh, and I think Slytherin is the bad guys. Again, these are broad strokes. What I've, uh, what I've assessed from, a, from uh, my nephew who's seven. And so there was a quiz uh, that they were taking to, to figure out what Elliot was. And he was purposefully choosing like the darkest answers and so he was sorted into Slytherin the bad guys and I was just like wow he is he wants to be bad what happened to my sweet little boy maybe he's just embracing balance you know I guess so maybe I I will I will leave this uh you know I think this 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 story with a, a great quote uh that I think sums up why uh, it's it's good to teach people to be nice and it's uh, from the great uh, Morrissey and uh, he once said it takes strength to be gentle and kind yes Upworthy Weekly Yoko Ono explains how John Lennon's inner child quote saved him in a beautiful tribute to the Beatles legend and uh, I guess it was this week was the anniversary of John Lennon's uh, death. And so it was, I guess, the 42nd anniversary of when John Lennon was shot and uh, by Lee Harvey Oswald. No, wait, by John Hinckley. No, that was Reagan. Um, Mark David Chapman got him. And so his wife, uh, Yoko Ono, wrote something about um, kind of how his how he was a, very childlike, um, how he was a complex person when he was very childlike, and his his embrace of his childlike nature uh, was a great reason why he was such a creative person and why he was such kind of a just a massive figure in the world, and about how he you know had he managed to preserve that. And I was reading it thinking, 
a like as someone who's raising a child, you you never want that kind of childlike wonder to be extinguished from them, right? Mm-hmm. Certain people are able to keep that, and I think lots of people who are creative are, are able to do that. And I've I've tried throughout my life to kind of keep that spark going. You know, I think it aligns with it was a Bob Dylan said that he he not busy being born is busy dying. You know, uh, that mm. we should always be busy being born into this world. And John Lennon was someone who was constantly curious and childlike and always busy being born. And so uh, Yoko said some interesting things about him, about his kind of character traits that I think are valuable to everyone to sit and, and consider. And she said, quote, the first time we met, I didn't know who he was. So was, how do you not know who John Lennon is in like 1968 or whatever? Yeah. Like, is that but, true? Is that true? Or is that a like, look at me, I'm so cool. You know what? I'm not going to Yoko bash. Yeah. I'm not going to. Just not she, going to. She's been bashed enough. Yeah. Uh, but she said, I found him totally, totally attractive. Not that he was the most conventionally handsome man in the world, but he had this charm, which was very alluring and endearing. I think it was because he was so honest. So, goes to show honesty. John Lennon mm-hmm. was a very honest person and really resonated with people. And obviously, as a songwriter, he was very honest uh, about himself. And she said, also, quote, there's something so human about him. It's never easy just to be yourself, but John was very good at that. You know, So, there's something about being comfortable in your own skin that really resonates with other people and how, how people get to that point. That's... Kind of like the Pete Davidson thing, I think. Also, we were talking about why women love Pete Davidson. He does come mm-hmm. off as terribly comfortable in his own skin. Right. Right. Um, and so, and, and again, in the end, it was about being himself. She said, if you listen to a song, Imagine, you will see that everything he was trying to tell his son, Sean, at the time is still there. All of it. He stuck to being himself to the end. So it was just a nice reminder reading this story about how John Lennon was such an important person because he kept his childlike nature. He was true to himself and, um, you know, was was honest. And, you you know, those character traits are ones that will propel people far in this world and definitely did for him. And then it got me thinking, now, Allison, I definitely I want your opinion on this. Not that I need to ask for your opinion on your show, uh, but uh, it's our show. You've, our show, yes. Yeah. Uh, you've been around through your work. You probably met a lot of famous people, right? Sure. Sure. Okay. We're not trying yeah. to name drop. I'm just saying you've met a lot yeah. of famous people. Now, sure. Yeah, I know. Something- I, hob- I hobnob with some pretty big names, if I just say so myself. Yeah. But there's something about charisma that certain people have, that they yes. have ability to completely fill a room with their personality. And it's, it was, I was kind of reading those clues about John Lennon, thinking maybe that was some kind of secret formula to being mm. a charismatic person. But definitely there are some people, and I, no one's been able to successfully quantify it for me, right. of what makes some people just be able to completely fill a room and be intoxicating to be around. And it's something more than personality. It's not just mm-hmm. personality, because people can have be very quiet or whatever and have that kind of command of a room. And so I was, I was wondering, what do you think accounts for that? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's charm is another way of putting it. Um, that's such a good question. I mean, okay, so let me write down. So it was, her three things were honesty. Co- what, remind me again, honesty? Uh, honesty, uh, being himself, comfortable in his own skin, and being childlike. Allison it's is like, There's now also like a playful, notes. taking notes, yeah. I find usually with people, charisma is also a playful quality. There's like a lightness of spirit. It's usually not an intensity. It's not a, it's, there, it's a lack of seriousness and a lack of intensity. Um, or if there is a seriousness and an intensity, it's like not sustained so it's like they'll sort of focus on it there's a like a playful flirtatious vibe usually not sexual but like like 
intense attention. Like apparently I've never met Tom Cruise, but apparently when you meet him, he like shakes your hand, looks you in the eye, remembers your name, like makes you feel really special for a moment, no matter who you are. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think charisma is just, uh, when you're, I, I know that I'm not really answering your question, but like when you're around someone who exudes that kind of charisma, it makes you feel like when you're in their aura, the world is okay for a moment. Like somehow the chaos of the world like quiets down when you're around mm. them. Wow. That's that's heavy. I know. Yeah. I don't even it's know. Like, uh, Where did I get that? Yeah. Wow. Whoa. So many had her wow. Cheerios this morning. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But the, the interesting thing is like what accounts for it? What does it come from? Like we know what it feels like, but how does mm. one get how that How does one way? achieve it? Yeah. I, I don't, don't. Yes. That's a good question. Like my uncle, I guess in like the late 70s, he was on a plane and he sat next to Ronald Reagan. Before Reagan was president, and also, and I think he had a drink with him, like at the the plane bar. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, we, we obviously don't live in the best times ever because there aren't <laughs> bars on planes. That was a real time to be alive when you were sitting in the late seventies and, and having a cocktail on a Pan Am flight. Wait a minute, was it the same size plane that we fly on now, and they had a bar in them? Yeah, well, there would be like two stories on planes. Yes, that I know about. Yeah. Now, what? Where? What occupies that second story now on a plane? I think they just stopped building the second story. Okay, so planes are are smaller now. Yeah, it's maybe lighter, so you can, you know, bounce around use more. So much fuel. But anyway, oh, so my, I see. My, Uncle said that he sat and he had a cocktail with Ronald Reagan on a plane mm-hmm. and said that the guy completely like filled the room. Like his yeah. aura. He was, like, right. was the most like enchanting human being he ever met, you know, uh, and, and just had that power. And like people say the same thing about Bill Clinton that mm-hmm. when Bill yes. Clinton talks to you, you're the only person on earth. And, you know, say when I people feel first- like I, yeah. People I feel saw like Madonna, <clears throat> like Madonna was that way, like from a mile away, like you knew she was somebody kind of thing. I bet I would be totally charmed by Bill Clinton. Yeah. Hey there, pumpkin. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, all the all this stuff, it just it just brought that up that I thought maybe you'd have an answer for this. But unfortunately, but I've disappointed you without with my lack of answer. Upworthy yeah. Weekly. I mean, you know who was quite charming, though? And this is probably not going to be a surprise. Uh, Tommy Lee of Motley Crue fame. Like, because so, I was not a fan of his. Yeah. And then he was on the show and I was like, oh, uh, not my, yeah, on, on the Adam Carolla show. I remember just being like, oh, he is shockingly charismatic and charming. And then I found out more about him and I was like, maybe not the best guy, but um <laughs> Definitely, it does fill a room. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so <laughs> this next story is uh, a, a, a hilarious story. Okay, so uh, this TikTok user named Darian uh, had a pretty interesting experience. Went to Thanksgiving at uh, his aunt's house, and she's... Uh, Lovely 95-year-old woman who, well, should, I have a question just to, to let people behind the curtain. Do you feel like I should say what happened or should we just play the clip? Oh, I think we should just play the clip. Okay. Oh, wait. Oops. Wrong. One thing clip. about me is that when I was yesterday, my aunt invited everyone for Thanksgiving dinner. We said, okay, and let's get on a plane and fly across the country to eat at your house. We spent the night. The very next morning, my aunt makes the bold creative decision on Thanksgiving morning with all of our family there to do this thing called dying. Oh. 
So they show up on Thanksgiving and uh, yeah. and croaks. Okay. Let's let's hear some more. But, but this guy, not a very good rapper. No, but a good storyteller. She died on Thanksgiving morning. We had a body on our hands, and then like. You know, you know, I want to, you know, I want to do this. I want hmm. Fred Schneider from the B-52s to do this <laughs> song. <We're> like, <laughs> yeah. Then the ant died. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Keep dying. You know, I think, I think he's trying to, sorry. Right. So they had a corpse on their hands is what he was just saying. Yeah. They didn't know what to do. Jukebox Everyone money. was breathing. It was kind of <laughs> uncomfortable, but you know what? I was. We called a nurse in to confirm that she was dead. The nurse said, yep, she's dead. We said we kind of already knew that your job seems kind of bureaucratic besides the point. The nurse was like, you need to get this body out of here. We said, okay. She gave us a number to call. We called. We said, hi, we have a body. Can you pick it up? They go, hmm, it's Thanksgiving. Kind of inconsiderate to pull us away from our families on the holiday. So they they take the body away, and then Mm. did they eat Thanksgiving dinner? They did. They didn't know what to do, (laughs) which is a very funny part of the song as well. They didn't know what to do, and then they're like, well, she would want us to eat. But I think they felt weird about it. Um, And there were tears on and off. But yeah, it was. I mean, so here's the thing, though. They ate while the body was in the other room, because it took... It took them a while to come collect the body. Yeah, they're, so it's like they're having dinner while, sh- while she's having rigor mortis. I mean, so this racked up like 6.7 million views. Very popular. Um, very funny and also very sad. But it was, she was 95. It was natural causes. Sad. Sadly relatable for people that have family. <laughs> but also funny. I can imagine you're sitting there eating, and then it's like, Joe, could you go Fabrice the ant over there? Just <laughs> I know. spray a little Fabrice on her because get a little musty over there yeah. while we're waiting for McCormick's mortuary mm. to show up. It, it, it's funny. This Well, okay. Do you think it was appropriate for him to do a funny TikTok video the day after his aunt died uh, doing some strange new type of rapping? Um, I do. Yes. I think it's okay. okay. Right. I do. I feel like, and this, I'm just drawing, uh, some might think arbitrary line, but I think 95 year old woman dies of natural causes on a holiday. Unusual, but unusual, but banal circumstances i think it's okay i think if it was something where it's a tragedy then no i don't think it's okay that's the line i'm gonna draw yeah i'm thinking past the age of like 89 then you can you can have some fun with that right i wonder if they ate what she cooked or it was like her (laughs) carrots were still in the oven you know we didn't know that last ingredient that she puts in her rolls, you know. That's so sad. Oh. But, but this Isn't that rem- on, the, on mm. the Sopranos, remember? Does it, and then it like, oh, it was her last ziti that she had made. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 This, this reminded me, and I think I might have brought this story up on the show before, about how a couple years ago, two years ago, three years ago, I was supposed to go to a football game with my buddy Matt, and... He was late, and I was like, okay, where is Matt? And I'm trying to call him, and then I get a Facebook message that he had died. They found his body that morning. Oh. And yeah, it was, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go on. And it was what the happened? same. Huh? And what what had happened to him? Uh, he had a heart attack. He, was st- oh he lived God. in Las Vegas. He stayed at a friend's house in Huntington Beach, and then he had a heart attack I guess that night and then his friend found his body in the morning and I was sitting mm-hmm. there like where is he we've got tickets to go to a football game gotta go to the Raider game and and I just got a, a random message from someone I didn't know saying oh could you call me and yeah. it was the strangest thing ever because it, it was like well first 
what do I do with his ticket? You know? Right. <laughs> and then his friend was like, well, you could sell it and then we can use the money towards the memorial. And I'm like, no, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to call my buddy Oscar. We're going to go to the game. So it was this weird thing. Like, do I go to the game? Do I not? And I was like, no, nah, he would have wanted me to go. Yeah. So it was, but so it, I mean, someone not showing up because they died, there's an element of utter hilariousness to it mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as well. It's such a bizarre, like, it's really laughing. the best, ex- it's the best yeah. excuse. Yeah. It really was. And, you know, I'm, thank God he paid me for the ticket before, but yeah, uh, it's considerate. Yeah. It was considerate. It was 180 bucks, you know. So, Anyway, he died. So, and then, of course, as I've talked about before, I now have his ashes at my house, and I have to spread them at the Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas. But anyway, mm. the, the funny thing is not really funny. That happens after someone doesn't show up because they they've died. Is you start realistically thinking that about other situations where somebody's oh, late? Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, maybe they're dead. Oh crap! You know. Hmm. So it's kind of a. That's a post-traumatic stress thing, I think, a little bit. Yeah, because that was stressful. Like, obviously losing a friend, which was very sad, and then the bizarre circumstance surrounding it. Right. Almost missing your game. (laughs) Psychology educator breaks down four reasons why some people fall for conspiracy theories. I think this is valuable for our audience, uh, this Upworthy story. Uh, so we can better understand our friends and relatives mm. uh, that yes. are into conspiracy theories. And I think that we're in a golden age of conspiracy theories right now because it used it's to be... a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, because it used to be that if you're into conspiracy theories, you had to go to like the Psychic Eye bookshop mm. in the weird part of town and you know, you'd have to find... The you know, yeah. behold a pale horse by William Cooper on the back shelf, and get past them selling Eye of Newt and Saltpeter, and you know, pig fat candles and stuff, and then finally get to the get to yeah. the, the good books. And so nowadays, I find that just kind of run of the mill, ordinary, mm-hmm. basic people are conspiracy theorists. When it used to just be cranks, yeah, uh, you just find a mom's group, and you're going to find a conspiracy theorist in there. Oh. Are there I mean, cons- not uh, not always the sanctimonious moms of L.A., but not not the sanctimonious moms of L.A. Yeah, you can just th- throw a stone, find a conspiracy theorist. They're everywhere yeah. now. So um, a guy named David Hunsness, who has a B.A. in psychology from the University of California, recently ventured to explain the whys and hows of conspiracy theories in a three-part TikTok series. And I just have one part of this because... You know, need to listen to six minutes of this guy, Gavin. Mm. But uh, let's see here. We have the audio. And there's In my last videos. video, I talked about three reasons why people believe conspiracy theories. One is when there's a lack of information. A conspiracy theory fills in that missing gap of knowledge. Two. That makes sense, right? It does, you yes. I, I don't know why this is happening, therefore... is when something causes anxiety, a conspiracy theory helps you predict where that threat is coming from, so it doesn't feel so random. Three is wanting to follow your in-group, mm. so if your political party or whatever believes a conspiracy, then you are more likely to believe it. And the fourth reason is ego. People who believe conspiracy theories believe they are in a special group of independent thinkers who know the truth. They think they have a superior knowledge, while the majority of people are just sheep who are foolishly gullible and easily manipulated. Wake up, sheeple! Mm-hmm, exactly. Have you ever just wanted to scream that in a crowded room? Just, wake up, sheeple! All, every day. All day, every day. 24-7. Who wouldn't want to feel special? Let's start with an easy example. Imagine someone who wasn't particularly successful in school or their career. So deep down, their ego feels inferior. But if they believe the conspiracy theorists, well, now they feel like they're smarter than most others, and a small group of people will tell them so. Or let's imagine someone who is well-educated and has a professional career, like a doctor. We've seen a few doctors take fringe positions against vaccines and masks. So why would they do that? Same reason, ego. Maybe before they felt like they weren't achieving the career success and recognition that they felt they deserved. 
but by supporting a fringe conspiracy theory, suddenly they're invited to give their expert testimony and their faces on national cable and a group of people are praising them as brilliant heroes. So that's why yep. during the recent pandemic, there were some people that were kind of fringy doctors who were coming out and, and saying strange things. But this gives a, a nice example. And then, of course, you know, all the people gravitated to this one doctor. I know I've, I was sent videos of her. Uh, there was there's one doctor that uh, I don't know somebody kept sending me videos of and it was like this is one person yeah it is tempting and for many people that praise and special feeling is worth the trade-off of other people ridiculing and insulting them in fact this ego boost is so important it's the only common root of all conspiracy theories the other three reasons help to spread conspiracy theories but they're not required for example is there any lack of information that the Earth is round? No. We have centuries of evidence. Is there any cause for anxiety? Nope. Sure. A round Earth is no threat to anyone. Is there an in-group that believes this? Uh. Nope. At least not in our lifetime. But flat Earthers do believe they have a special superior knowledge, so it boosts their ego. This is also true for the moon landing was faked, or the government is covering up UFOs, and crackpot theories like the theory of relativity is wrong, because deep down they just want to feel smarter than Einstein. Yeah, I What's was... holding us onto the Earth if it's round? Yeah. That, that's you know, what, why yeah, aren't that, we floating off? Yeah, we should just flown off. Yeah. I remember I was in a bar uh, a couple of years ago, and there was this guy who was kind of really drunk and loud and obnoxious. And I swear to God, the guy out of nowhere, you know, sometimes you just hear something, you're like, what? And the guy goes, the earth is flat. Trump knows it. And, <laughs> and, and Amazing. I, I sat there and I was like, hmm. <laughs> Part of me was like, I should buy this guy a drink and hear him out. Because yeah. this sounds like this is going to be good. And then part of me was like, no, no, stay away. Right. Stay, it's going to be worse than you think, and it's going to go on forever. You're not going to be able to get away from it, and the breath is probably going to stink, and it's mm-hmm. going to be a bad scene. But it's just, <laughs> it was it was a beautiful thing to behold. And the I guy know, was so confident about it, yeah. too. It's a shame you can't just, like, read his t- Twitter feed or something from a distance. Right. Yeah, just, yeah, scroll through it for a little bit. Okay, yeah. I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Without the without the beer breath, right. but there's a book that's really big. You know, cause I've worked in advertising in my past and continue to do some work here and there for that. Uh, by a guy named Robert Cialdini called Persuasion, yes. and one of the most important things in that book they talk about is that people don't make decisions because of reasoning. You know, logicing things out. They often do it just because they have a reason or there's a benefit to believing something. So, uh, I always think about that. You know, it's like you, you're never going to write like a radio advertisement that goes out that breaks down the logical reasons for something. But if you mm-hmm. make emotional reasons for it, then people will, will, will buy the product. Mm-hmm. And so, there's always a benefit to somebody believing something crazy. There's a, they, they get something out of it. And I remember I was talking to a friend and I have a couple friends that are like weird conspiracy nuts and there's intelligent people, you know, and you're like, why do you believe this? And we were arguing about something and then I was like, here's facts. And I like, I had to like Google it and like show them. And then they still kind of didn't believe it. And so then I just thought it started to become kind of an argument. And I say, Mm -hmm. what do you get out of believing that? Mm. What does that that provide for you? No, they just kind of skirted the issue or whatever. But that's that's always my next thought is, what do you get out of that? Right, right. People believe wacky stuff. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison Rosen on a scale to one to five, one being completely awful, five being the world is flat, Trump knows it. Uh, <laughs> rate your week. I mean, once again, I'm going to give it a 3.5. I've just been wow. cruising along at 
Um, I had a very so, busy week. Oh, so you've been week. cruising. You've been cruising. I've been cruising on a boat. <laughs> At 3.5. <laughs> I had a busy week. Um, we went to Disneyland. Oh. And here's the weird thing. I went to Disneyland and it was not, I did not have a great time. I was, it was just like, it, it fell at, a, I was just like, not, it, it, it did not coincide with me being in the right headspace and the right like workload to go. It had been mm. like on the books for a while, but I was just like, this is coming too soon to Thanksgiving. How am I going to pull this off? Uh, like Owen was like, I don't want to go. Um, oh. which is surprising, but, yeah. um, I was so tempted to just stay home with Owen and have Daniel take Elliot. Cause I was like, I don't, I feel like Owen's a little bit too young anyway, but I really pushed myself to go. Cause I was like, this is one of those things where I'm going to look back on it and I'm going to be like, I'm so glad that I went. And then I got yeah. in the car afterwards and I'm like, I, I'm not so glad that I went. And Daniel's like, which totally made me feel bad. He's like, yes, it, this, this came up on my other show. He's like, because it wasn't for you. You're not oh. supposed to look. I know. I'm, oh. I don't even know if I believe that. I mean, he didn't say it. He didn't turn the knife that much. But it, like, yes, these things like they're it's not for us anymore. It's like for the kids. And I'm like, I, but I don't even know that. Owen. I mean, it was fine. But it, but anyway, OK, so Disneyland ended up it was fine. But like I thought it was going to be like this, you know, amazing day. And it ended up just being like they're just a hard age to take to Disneyland. And then on Sunday, I went to a memorial. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. It's our producer. Hey, Radar, Radar, don't, don't do that while so she's talking. So get this, it's get not- this. Here's the, this is going to be even more in keeping with that song. I went to a memorial on Sunday. I, and I really was trying, I was trying to, I was trying to find any excuse not to go to that. Mm. like I was coming up with all these reasons why, I sh- why oh I shouldn't go for this reason I don't even know if it's gonna like I don't I haven't seen these people in a really long time I don't even know if it's gonna make a difference and then I was like I'm just coming up with reasons because I'm like afraid of what I'm gonna feel when I go made myself I went by myself and I made myself go and even though the occasion of course was like so sad um, I was actually so happy is a weird word to apply to a memorial but I was so glad that I had gone because um, these were family friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. And it just was like very meaningful to me to be reconnected with them. Um, so that was a very meaningful experience. Disneyland actually wasn't that meaningful. Maybe that's not the weirdest statement. Anyway, that was my week. Uh, and uh, Are I you a better person? Like, mm, yes, because I... Um, like I said, I had this resistance. I was like sort of like fearful for lack of a better word. Or I, I had, I felt like I don't know. I just had this, like, I don't want to go to a memorial. I don't want, I don't want to feel, I don't want to f- feel these things. And then I, but I, but I pushed through and I went cause I was like, it, but you don't really go for yourself. You go for the other people and also a little bit for yourself. So anyway, yes, yeah. I'm a pretty great person. Um, Todd. And I took my kids to Disneyland. Like, what a great mom. Uh, and I bought a lot of snacks for Owen and I got all of them there for him and then he didn't want any of them. (laughs) Classic (laughs) Owen. (laughs) Okay, Todd, on a scale of one being flat earth to five being round earth, how was your week? Uh, I'm going to give it a three. Uh, Oh, it started pretty good. I went to Las Vegas and went to a football game with my buddy Brian, and uh, it was just a great game, and the Raiders won, and it was just, uh, you know, it was fun. I needed to get out of the house, and I needed to get yeah. away for a little bit, and so it was like a perfect time, and just to sit and hang, hang and bro down and have some beers and watch football. Uh, but there's a, there's a trend I'm noticing as I keep flying out of Las Vegas going to football games on mm-hmm. Sunday nights. It's drunk guy they won't let on the plane, and I've uh, seen it. Was it was it you? No, no, it wasn't me. This, not this time. Not this time, good, sister. Good. I uh, I was just passed out. No, uh, <laughs> there was a guy. They had uh, the, the Southwest booth, and there was a like a little Christmas tree next to it. And the guy knocks over like the Christmas tree because he's oh, so no. drunk. And they're like, yeah, he's not getting on the plane. And then he's yelling at the people. 
I need to get home. This is not good customer service. Like just yelling, berating oh, the no. people. And everybody's just kind of like chuckling and laughing in line like, dude, you know. So he, <laughs> he didn't get on. And I was like, I keep seeing this every time. This is becoming something I'm really looking forward to on the trip. It's the drunk guy they don't let out of Vegas. But so and then... Um, then it got bad because the Raiders lost last night. And so mm. that was very disappointing. So that neutralized the good vibes of that. But I did have one moment that was kind of, I don't know. I don't know if all parents have this, but I was dropping my son off at school and I hurt my toe recently. So, uh, yeah, I kicked a ladder on mm. accident. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. And so I was just dropping him off at the school gate and so we could run to his classroom and he was, he had his jacket on, his backpack, and he just started like running across the school. And I got overwhelmed with emotion watching my six and a half year old son just run away and go to class. Mm. And it was like that moment where you go, this is like the perfect age where the kid is. And he's just delightful and he's the best. And I just love him so much. And he's just running off to go be independent in the world. And it felt like the entire human experience which just like landed on me just bit the most the biggest bittersweet feeling i've ever had in my life and i just started crying and i walked back to my car and i was like oh god and it was like for like 20 minutes i was just alone and crying because it was just so you know and and i just i think i don't want anybody to hurt him in this world you know you start getting that and oh my god i'm not then and i'm i was just like man and i'm gonna die and he'll be here without me and i was just i went through the whole thing yeah and then i had to work and it was fine but so it was an interesting week i guess um daniel said that when he says goodnight to elliot and turns out the light and walks out of his room oftentimes he will be hit with this wave of like, this is a um, foreshadowing of me leaving him one day. Oh my God, we're getting really dark at the end. Oh. This is like, eventually I will be leaving him for real one day. It's like a similar kind of, just the mortality thing, the mortality piece of it all. Yeah. Jeez. Boy. <laughs> And am I am I a better person? And <laughs> oh it, yes, are you? <laughs> it sickens me to say this, but I am slightly, and because of you. <gasps> what? <gasps> I should play the outro right now. I should play the outro right no, now. I don't think it is time to play the outro yet. I would like to hear what you are about to say because I am. And the other thing as I well. wanted to quickly say is that. <laughs> no, I. Uh, <laughs> um. I I was looking on, on on Twitter. You wrote something about how like you have barriers to things. Like you should be doing something, but you have like some dumb barriers that get in the way. Oh yeah, resistance. Like, yeah, yeah, resistance. Like mental blocks. Mm-hmm. And in addition to my writing for Upworthy and doing this show, I have a I do side work writing radio commercials for different people, in different companies. And but I never do TV commercials. Because mm-hmm. I've j- I've only done a couple before in my life, and I, it's it's a different beast, you know. And so a guy approached me to write a TV commercial, and immediately in my head I was like, "No, I don't I don't do TV. I don't know. It's not my thing." And then mm-hmm. I was thinking about your tweet. We were like, <gasps> "Why do I have this like stupid resistance to things?" And I was like, "I can write a TV ad. I can write t- if I can write a- I can do it. I can do it." So I pushed myself. And I did, you know, wrote like three or four TV ads for this company, and I turned them in, and I think they were pretty good. So, <gasps> congratulations! Yes, yeah, so, so great. It was, your thing made me realize, like, it, it is silly to ha- put up unnecessary roadblocks for myself, and how many other things in my life, and for everybody listening, how many in your life are you putting up unnecessarily? Learn from Todd Perry's and Allison Rosen's dumb brains. I mean- that is such an upworthy spin on it. I was just being lazy about scanning some pieces of paper that I, that's what I was resisting, but I love your take on it. Yeah. Well, hey, if we, if we can help one person through yeah, this show. I helped you. I helped you. Let's never forget that. Yeah, never. I, I think today's show 
I think today's show, I think we had a lot of good upworthy stuff on this show. We talked about the importance of kindness and charisma and being childlike and loving children, celebrating death. (laughs) So much death on today's show. Ships. Ships. Boats. Yeah. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. the people watching on Facebook. I just want to show the stack of papers for every show, all my show prep. I just stick it in the corner and now there's way too much of it and it's becoming an ecological hazard. Yeah.